0: And the house is open to offer, you say? Oh, yes. I don't want to stay here any longer than I have to now. Mind how you go down the stairs? (gasps) There's something down there. I don't want to see. What's the matter? You've gone quite
1: pale.
0: Oh, it's nothing. Nothing at all. This house... That isn't haunted, is it?
2: We present June Whitfield as Miss Marple in Agatha Christie's Sleeping Murder.
1: Gwenda Reed was a charming and singularly unpretentious young woman recently arrived from New Zealand.
0: God, what a country! Does it ever do anything but rain?
1: But by the following day, the skies had cleared and Gwenda set off to find a house for herself and her English husband Giles, who was staying on to wind up his affairs in Christchurch before returning home.
3: I'm not much of a hand at houses. If you like it, I shall. A bit of a garden, of course, and an old place, not some brand new horror. Somewhere on the south coast, for preference.
1: And within a few days of her arrival, Gwenda had come across the house of her dreams, in the Devonshire town of Dilmouth.
0: This is my house. It's home.
1: I feel as if I knew every single bit of it. And then... Barely a week later, she accepted an invitation from her husband's cousin and his wife to stay at their house in London. And the cousin also happened to be my nephew, the writer, Raymond West. I'm sure he'll think me the most terrible Philistine. I'm not in the least highbrow. I was staying with Raymond at the time... And he had arranged a positive feast of theatre-going for us, a new ballet at Sadler's Wells, a Russian play at a club theatre that he said was very significant. And in honour of my birthday, a visit to His Majesty's Theatre to see Webster's The Duchess of Malfi.
4: Do you not weep? Other sins only speak. Murder shrieks out. The element of water moistens the earth... But blood flies upwards and bedews the heavens. Cover her face. My eyes dazzle.
5: She died young.
1: I've brought you a cup of tea. Hot and strong with plenty of sugar. You're so kind.
0: Oh, Miss Marple, I'm so ashamed spoiling your birthday like that.
1: Are oh, they very annoyed with me? Now you mustn't worry, my dear child. Just tuck yourself up warm with the hot water bottle. I don't
0: really need oh, it. Oh,
1: yes, you do. You've had a bad shock. Now, drink your tea, go to sleep, and don't worry about anything. We'll talk about it in the morning.
0: How could I make such a perfect idiot of myself?
1: What must they have thought of me? I think they considered the play a little too macabre for you. But I suspect there may be a little more to it than that. Yes, there is. A telegram arrived for you earlier this morning, but I thought it had better wait until you were up and feeling better. Thank you. It's been re-telegraphed from Dilmouth. Oh, well, Not bad news, I hope.
0: That's from Giles. My husband. He's flying back from New Zealand. He'll be here in a week. Well, surely that's very nice, isn't it? I don't know. After last night, I think I must be going out of my mind. And what am I to do about the house?
1: I can't go back there. I can't. Now, my dear, why don't you just tell me all about it? Wouldn't that be best? I suppose so.
0: At least you can tell me whether I ought to go and see a psychiatrist or someone. I'm sure that will not be necessary. How did it all begin? It was the house. I fell in love with it the moment I saw it. A white Victorian villa on the hill going down into Dilmouth. I went straight to the agents and got an order to view the following day. The house is too big for me now. And since my husband died, I've no desire to stay here any longer. But all the time Mrs Hingray was showing me round, my thoughts were racing ahead. There would be a linen cupboard on the landing and a double room with a view of the sea. My husband, Major
1: Hengrave, was very fond of Dilmouth. Secretary of the golf club, he was.
0: And the bath would have a mahogany surround and stand in the middle of the room. And it did. Plurisy, it was. Tonic to double pneumonia on the third day. And I knew, I was quite certain, that there was another bedroom at the end of the landing. And there it was, with a big bow window. My people live in Kent, and they want me to settle down somewhere near them. And then it happened. We were just starting down the stairs when I suddenly felt a kind of horror sweep over me. I can't really describe it. It was as if there was something terrible there, waiting for me. What's the matter?
1: You've gone quite pale.
0: It's nothing. Nothing at all. This house... That isn't haunted, is it? Haunted? Well, not that I've ever been aware of. You've never felt or seen anything yourself? Nobody's died here. My husband died in the nursing home. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean... Do you think I could see the garden now? I need a breath of fresh air. Yes, sir. We can go through the drawing room. The French window gives on to the terrace. But there was something wrong. I knew that there should be steps going straight down from the terrace to the lawn. But instead there was a vast clump of Forsythia. The garden is very neglected, I'm afraid. I can only afford a man once a week. And as often as not, he doesn't turn up. But by then all my terrors had evaporated. I was certain that this was the house for us. And I made a firm offer that same
1: day. Within a week I'd moved in. And was there any recurrence of your strange feeling... Almost as if you had been there before. Ah, yes, that was the trouble.
0: It began with the Forsythia. I told the gardener that I wanted it cut down so that there would be a way straight to the garden from the drawing room.
4: Looks like you were going back to old times, miss.
0: (laughs) Old times? How?
4: I come on the old steps.
1: You see? That's where they went. Just as you want them now. But surely that was the perfectly natural place for them to be.
0: Well, yes, but then there was the wall between the drawing room and the dining room. It was so annoying to have to go into the front hall to get from one room to the other, so I asked the builder to see whether a door could be made in the wall.
6: Oh, won't be no trouble there, Mrs Reed. Been a dory before, there has. You see, there. somebody as didn't want it as had it plastered over.
0: Well, there was nothing particularly strange about that, I suppose. But what really frightened me was the wallpaper. The wallpaper? I'd moved into the little room at the end of the landing. I didn't want to be in the big bedroom all by myself. I realised that it had once been a nursery. It had bars on the windows. And I began to imagine how I would redecorate it. Something bright and cheerful. Little bunches of poppies, alternating with bunches of cornflowers. Yes, my dear. There was a corner cupboard. But the door was jammed and there was no way I could get it open.
6: It doesn't look as if anyone has used it for years. Oh, it shouldn't be much of a problem.
0: And when it was opened, there was the original wallpaper. Scarlet poppies and blue cornflowers, exactly as I'd seen it in my mind. And I began to feel frightened. Why was I always seeing back in time, back to the house it had been years ago? And I didn't want to stay there any longer. That's why I accepted your nephew's invitation, to get away from it all. But it followed me here. And last night...
1: Tell me what happened.
0: I was completely absorbed in the play. I'd never once thought about the house. And then it came. It came when he said those words. Cover her face. Mine eyes dazzle. She died young. I was back there at Hillside on the stairs, looking down at the hall through the banisters, and I saw her lying there, her hair all golden and her face all blue, and someone was saying those words in a horrible, gloating way, and I saw his hands, grey, wrinkled, not hands, monkeys' paws, and she was
1: dead. Who was dead?
0: Helen! (gasps) Why did I say that? Why did I say Helen? I don't know any Helen. I must be going out of my mind. Or is the house haunted or bewitched? Am I seeing things that have happened there or are they going to happen in the future? Perhaps a woman called Helen is going to be murdered there. You must calm yourself, my dear. But if it's the house that's haunted, why should I see these things when I'm away from it?
1: So really, it must be me that's going crazy i think you know that it is best to look for the most commonplace explanation what do you mean there were three definite incidents that upset you some steps down to the garden that had been planted over a door that had been bricked up and a wallpaper pattern which you imagined in detail and correctly without having seen it am i right yes Well, the easiest, most natural explanation would be that you had seen these things before.
0: But I've never been to England. I've lived all my life in New Zealand. I came here for the first time a month ago.
1: You're quite certain of that. Were you born in New Zealand?
0: No, I was born in India. My father was a British army officer. My mother died a year or two after giving birth to me, and he sent me to be brought up by her people in New Zealand. He died a few years later, I believe.
1: Do you remember going from India to New Zealand?
0: Mm, Not really. I do vaguely remember being on a boat. The sight of the sea through a porthole, and the captain in his white uniform. He had a big red face and a sort of scar on his chin. (laughs) Do you remember
1: a nurse or an
0: Aya? Not an Aya, just Nanny. She was on the boat. Anne scolded me when I cried
1: because the captain kissed me and I didn't like his beard. (laughs) Now that is very interesting, Gwenda, because you are mixing up two voyages. In one, the captain had a beard, and in the other, he had a red face and a scar on his chin. I must have
0: muddled them up together.
1: Why did that never occur to me? I think it is perfectly possible that when your mother died, your father brought you to England with him and that you actually lived in the house in Dilmouth. The room you chose to sleep in was your own nursery. Children remember their nursery walls all their life. I can still recall the wallpaper in mine. Mauve irises. And yet I believe it was redecorated when I was only three. (laughs) But surely it's quite impossible that I should come to
0: England and actually buy the identical house I'd lived in as a child.
1: It's not impossible. It's just a remarkable coincidence. And remarkable coincidences do happen. But if that's the case, then does it mean that Helen... Is that true, too? Well, I think it probably is. If the other things are real memories, then that must be a memory, too. You mean that I really saw someone strangled, lying there dead? I don't suppose you knew consciously that she had been strangled. That was suggested by the play last night. But I think a child would recognise violent death and evil and associate them with the words that were spoken.
0: Cover her face, mine eyes. Bessel, she died young.
1: It would be a very severe shock to a child. (laughs) Children are odd little creatures. If they are badly frightened, especially by something they don't understand, they don't talk about it. They bottle it up and perhaps forget it. But the memory is there, deep down. But if that's what happened to me, why can't I remember it now? One can't remember to order. But I am certain it did happen. How can you be so sure? You told me that you seemed to be looking through the banisters. But normally one looks over them into the hall only a child would look through.
0: That's very clever of you. But who was Helen? How on earth might I find out more?
1: Well, the first thing to do is to find out definitely if you ever were in England as a child. There must be someone who... Aunt Ellison! my mother's sister in New Zealand then you should write to her by airmail straight away you'll probably get a reply by the time your husband arrives I'll do it this
0: morning but I can't go back to Dilmouth not on my own, not yet
1: I'm sure that Raymond
0: Oh no, Miss Marple I think I've made too much of a fool of myself
1: here I shall move into a small hotel and wait for Giles to arrive very well, my dear you must do whatever you think best I am going to stay with some old friends of mine in the north of England for a few days, but I shall be passing through London on my way home. You will let me know where you're staying, won't you? I shall be very curious to know what kind of an answer you get to your letter. Dearest Gwenda, To tell you the truth, it had
7: entirely escaped my memory that you'd actually lived for a short time in England as a child. Your mother met your father, Major Halliday, when she was on a visit to some friends of ours who were stationed in India. They were married and you were born there. About two years after your birth, your mother died and we wrote to your father begging him to entrust you to our care. But he refused and told us that he was resigning from the army and taking you back with him to England. I understand that on the voyage home, your father met a young woman, became engaged to her, and married her as soon as he got back to England. The marriage was not, I understand, a very happy one, and they parted about a year later. It was then that your father wrote to us and asked if we were still willing to give you a home. About a year after you arrived in New Zealand, he died in a nursing home." I'm afraid I cannot tell you exactly where you lived whilst with your father in England. I had a a vague idea that it was Dartmouth, but I fancy that Dilmouth may well be correct. I believe that your stepmother married again, but I've no recollection of her name. We were, I think, a little resentful of your father marrying again so soon after your mother's death. So you see, Miss
3: Marple, it's almost exactly as you told Gwenda it would be. I can't tell you how grateful we are for all your help. And the house? How do you
1: feel now about the house?
0: Ah, that's not a problem any longer. Giles and I are going down there tomorrow.
3: It's so extraordinary having a first-class murder mystery on our hands. (laughs) Well, actually, on our own doorstep. Or, more accurately, in our front hall.
0: And Giles simply loves detective
3: stories. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, after nearly 20 years, there can't be any clues left. But we can at least cast about and try to pick up some of the threads. It can't do any harm to have a try. Oh, but
1: it might do a great deal of harm. I really would advise you both to leave the whole thing alone. Leave it alone? Our very own murder?
3: Always supposing that it was a murder.
1: Oh, I am sure it was. That is why I would advise you to let it be. Miss Marple, you sound really concerned. I am, my dear. You are two very nice and charming people. You are newly married and happy together. Don't I beg you? Try to uncover things that may upset and distress you. You should let sleeping murder lie. What exactly is it that you're suggesting? I'm not suggesting anything, but because I've lived a long time and know how very upsetting human nature can be, I'm merely advising you to let well alone. But it isn't
3: leaving well alone. Hillside is our house and someone was murdered in it, and I am not going to stand by and do nothing about it. Even if it is 18 years ago, I'm sorry, Miss Marple, but I am determined to get to the bottom of it.
1: The following day I went home to St Mary Mead, but the mystery of Hillside House would not let me alone. Even Dolly Bantry's account of the battle royal over the fancy work stall at the Fete could not distract me. The killer if there really was a killer, had committed murder and got away with it. Supposing that charming young couple actually discovered what had happened. The killer was hardly likely to sit there smiling while the hunt drew nearer. And so I went to see Dr. Haydock, told him that I was overtired, and persuaded him to advise me that what I needed was a week or two of sea air, somewhere on the south coast. Dilmouth, perhaps. Where do you think the body was
3: lying? About here?
0: Mm, Difficult to say. I'll take a look from the top of the stairs. Yes,
3: that should give you a better idea. But you ought to be crouching down. You're only about three years old, you know.
0: I think she was lying just about where you're standing now.
3: But you couldn't actually see the man who spoke the words?
0: No, I can only remember seeing his paws. Paws? They were Paws. Grey paws, not human.
3: Look, Gwenda, this isn't the murders in the Rue Mork. Men don't have paws.
0: Well, he did.
3: Well, you must have imagined that bit
8: afterwards.
0: You don't think I might have just imagined the whole thing? Or dreamt it? Because nobody in Dulmouth seems to have the faintest idea there was ever a sudden death or disappearance or anything odd about this house.
3: No. You might have dreamt about monkey's paws or someone dead... But I'm damned if you could have dreamt that quotation from the Duchess of Malfi. I do wish you could remember a bit more. What about Helen? Surely you can recall something about Helen?
0: I can't remember anything at all. It's just a name.
3: Can you remember your father?
0: No, not really. That's difficult to tell. There was always his photograph on the mantelpiece at home in Christchurch. Auntie Ellison used to say, that's your daddy. But I don't remember him here in this house.
3: We've got to go about this in a much more systematic way. If your father and stepmother lived in this house, they must have either bought it or rented it. I'll go the rounds of the agents tomorrow and see if anyone's got a record of it.
1: I thought it best not to get in touch with Gwenda and her husband the moment I arrived in Dilmouth. I did not wish to give the impression that I had come to keep a watchful eye on them. And then... I just happened to come across her, keeping out of the rain in one of the shelters along the esplanade. But why didn't you come and see us? (laughs) Old people can be rather a nuisance, my dear. (sighs) Newly married couples should be left to themselves. Now, tell me, how are you progressing with your murder mystery? Well, it's turned out to be exactly as you
0: said it would. My father and my stepmother and I did stay at Hillside, only it was called St Catherine's then. A house agent remembered letting it to my father. And there's something else. And what is that? My stepmother. We got a copy of the marriage certificate from Somerset House. Her name was Helen. Helen Spenlove Kennedy.
1: Helen. Now that is very curious. Uh, It doesn't make sense.
0: Because she and my father separated. And she married again and went away. At least... I suppose she did. Then it should not be difficult to trace her. That's what Giles says. He's put an advertisement in the papers, not just the locals, but the Times and the other big dailies, asking anyone with any knowledge of her to get in touch with us. I should think we're bound to get some answers. Oh, yes, I'm
1: sure you will. I hope you won't think me inquisitive, but I should like to know how the whole business progresses. My life, you know, has so few excitements... Of course we'll let you know.
0: But for you, I should probably be beating on the door of a loony bin asking to be let in. You must come round and have a drink... I mean, have tea with us and see the scene of the crime. By that time, we should have had some response to our advertisement.
3: Well, let's hope this is it. Right. Uh, Dear Sir, in answer to your notice in the Times, Helen Spenlove Kennedy is my sister. I lost touch with her many years ago and should be glad to have news of her. Yours faithfully, James Kennedy, M.D. I should have known he was a doctor by the writing on the envelope. Very precise and very difficult to make out. Where does he live? Uh, Woodley Bolton. And where's that? About 30 miles from here, up on the moors. I'll write and ask if we can call on him. Sir,
9: so you think my sister, half-sister I should say, is connected with you in some way?
0: She was my stepmother, my father's second wife. My maiden name was Halliday. Good
6: Lord,
9: don't tell me you're Gwenny.
0: <laughs> No-one's called me that for years, <laughs> but yes, I'm Gwenny. Well, it
9: must be 15 years. No, much longer than that. You don't remember me, I suppose.
0: I don't even remember my father. I mean, that's all a vague kind of blur.
9: Of course, now I remember. Halliday told me his first wife came from New Zealand. Are you on a visit, or are you thinking of
3: settling here? Oh, we're staying. We bought a house, Hillside. Ah, yes, in Dilmouth. You wrote from there really is the most remarkable coincidence, chancing on the house where Gwenda used to live as a child. But wasn't it called something else? Saint something or other? Saint Catherine's. That's it.
0: And I did love there, didn't I? Of
9: course you did. But why did you want to come back there? You can't remember much about it, surely.
0: No, but somehow it felt like home.
9: It felt like home.
0: So, you see, I hoped you'd tell me all about it, about my father and Helen and everything.
9: Uh, there really isn't very much to tell. Helen was coming back from India on the same boat as your father, and you... She was sorry for him or fell in love with him. At least, I suppose that's what happened. They were married in London and came down to Dilmouth, partly, I suppose, because I was in practice there. Kelvin Halliday appeared to be a nice chap, if a bit nervy and run down, but they seemed happy enough together.
0: And then she left him?
9: Yes, in less than a year. She ran off with someone else. Who was it? She didn't tell me. I I wasn't in her confidence. I've always been rather a straight-laced sort of chap. Helen wouldn't have wanted me to know what was going on.
3: And was there a divorce?
9: Helen didn't want a divorce. Halliday told me that. I imagined, perhaps wrongly, that she was involved with a married man.
0: Why did my father suddenly decide to send me out to New Zealand?
9: I gather that your people out there had been pressing him. And he probably thought it was the best thing.
0: Why didn't he take me there himself?
9: I don't really know. He was in rather poor health.
0: What was the matter with him? What did he die of?
9: I couldn't really tell you... Tuberculosis, perhaps? He went into a sanatorium somewhere on the south coast. He died about two years later. Where was the sanatorium exactly? I'm sorry, I can't remember. But at least you can tell us where he's buried. I have no idea, I'm afraid.
0: How very odd.
9: Well, not really. The link between us was Helen. She's my half-sister and many years younger than I am. I tried to bring her up as best as I could, but there's no gain saying she never had a very stable character. There was always some man in the offing... There are women who are made that way, and they can't help it. She was barely out of school when she got involved with a most undesirable young character. I managed to get her out of that, and she decided to go out to India to marry Walter Fane. Well, that was all right. He was the son of Dilmouth's leading solicitor, even if he was as dull as Ditchwater. But when she got out there and saw him again, she changed her mind. It was all off. I wired her money for the voyage back.
0: And that was when she met my father?
9: They were married in London before I knew about it. I've always felt, shall we say, apologetic for that sister of mine. That was why I didn't keep in touch with Kelvin after she took off. Can you tell me where she is now? I'd like to drop her a line.
0: But we don't know. We don't know at all.
9: Oh, I thought from your advertisement. So why did you advertise then?
0: We wanted to get in touch with her.
9: With someone you can hardly remember?
3: Gwenda thought that Helen might be able to tell her about her father.
9: Ah, yes, I understand. Sorry I can't be of more use to you. Memory, not what it was. It's such a long time ago.
0: He knows something he won't tell us. Oh, Giles, I wish we'd never started this.
3: Perhaps Miss Marple was right. We needn't go any further if you don't want to.
0: No, Giles, we can't stop now. We should always be wondering or imagining. Dr Kennedy wouldn't tell us because he wanted to spare us something. But we've got to find out what really happened. Whatever the consequences.
3: Hillside House. Mr. Reed? Yes?
9: Uh, this is James Kennedy. I've been thinking over our conversation yesterday. There are certain facts I think you and your wife ought to know. Would you be at home if I come over this afternoon?
3: Certainly. Come whenever you like.
9: I won't beat about the bush. There's been too much of that already. I take it that you are both determined to track down the sanatorium where Halliday died and learn all you can about his death. Definitely. Well, I've come to the conclusion that it will be less of a shock to you to hear the facts from me. Let's sit down.
0: Thank you.
9: Gwenny, I'm sorry to have to tell you it won't do you or anybody else a bit of good and will probably cause you a great deal of pain. But your father wasn't suffering from tuberculosis. And the sanatorium in question was a mental hospital.
0: Do you mean he was out of his mind?
9: He was never certified. He'd had a very severe nervous breakdown and suffered from certain delusional obsessions. He went into the home of his own free will. His condition didn't improve and he died there.
3: Delusional obsessions? What do you mean by that?
9: He was under the impression that he had strangled his wife. (gasps) And had he? No, of course he hadn't.
0: But how do you know?
9: There was never any question of such a thing. Helen left him for another man. He'd been in a highly unbalanced condition for some time, and the shock sent him over the edge.
3: So there was no question of his having killed her. None, whatever.
9: I had two letters from Helen. One from France about a week after she went away, and another about six months later.
0: Please, Dr Kennedy, tell us exactly what happened.
9: As you know, at that time I had a practice in Dilmouth. Your father came to me and said he'd been having a series of very disquieting dreams. Dreams which always ended in the same way, with his throttling Helen. I suggested that it wasn't a doctor he needed, but a psychiatrist. But he wouldn't hear of it. Said it was all nonsense.
0: So what happened?
9: Uh, I knew that he and Helen weren't getting along too well. One evening, it was a Friday, I remember, I came back from Dilmouth Hospital and found him waiting for me in my consulting room. He looked up at me and said, I've killed Helen. Go on. I didn't know what to think. He was so cool and matter-of-fact. I said, You mean you've had another dream? And he said, It's no dream this time. She's lying there strangled, and I strangled her. So what did you do? I got out of the car and drove him here. The house was quiet and dark. We went up to the bedroom. The bedroom? Yes, that's where he said it all happened. Well, of course, there was nothing at all. No dead Helen lying across the bed, nothing disturbed. The coverlets were not even rumpled. The whole thing had been a delusion.
0: But what did my father say?
9: He still insisted that he'd killed her. I gave him a sedative and put him to bed in the dressing room. Then I found a note that Helen had left, crumpled up in the waste paper basket in the drawing room. Something about the marriage being a mistake from the beginning, and she was going away with the only man she had ever loved.
3: You mean he must have read the letter had a brainstorm and convinced himself that he killed her it was the only possible
9: explanation then I questioned the housemaid it was her evening off and she'd come in late I took her into Helen's room and we went through her clothes it was all quite clear Helen had packed a suitcase and a bag and taken what she needed away with her and did you search the rest of the house very thoroughly but there was no trace of anything unusual certainly no sign of a strangled woman
0: and what did my father say when he woke up
9: he seemed completely lost I think he realized that it was all a delusion. A week later, when the letter came from Helen, posted in Biarritz, I showed it to him, but he said very little. He arranged for you to go to New Zealand and then agreed to enter a private mental home. But the treatment they gave him did little to help him. He died there two years later.
0: Thank you. You've been very understanding. I'd like to talk to the people at the mental home, if it's possible.
9: of course. I'll give you the address. I'm very sorry, Gwenny. But you had to know. I only wish you could have left the past to itself.
0: That's what you were trying to warn us about, wasn't it,
1: Miss Marple? You thought my father might be involved. Well, yes. It did occur to me as a possibility. Helen might well have been your stepmother. And in a case of strangling, it is often a husband who is involved. There's worse to come, I'm afraid, Miss Marple. My father committed suicide. Oh,
0: the senior consultant at the mental home told us. Oh, my poor child.
3: You see, he was convinced right up to the end that he had killed Helen, and he seemed to have been under the impression that she was secretly administering some kind of drug to him. How very distressing. Who told you this?
0: The doctor at the mental hospital. And it was one of the things my father mentioned in a notebook he used for jotting down odd thoughts while he was there. They'd kept it in his file, and they said, I must have it. I'd like to read you part of it, if I may. Of course, my dear. <clears throat> when did I begin to suspect her? A long time ago. Soon after we came to Dilmouth, her manner changed. She was concealing something. Did she give me drugs and my food? Those terrible nightmares. Not ordinary dreams, but why? Let's face it, I suspected, didn't I, that she had a lover. There was someone, I know there was someone... She said as much to me on the boat Someone she loved and couldn't marry Is Helen alive? Or did I put my hands round her throat And choke the life out of her? I came into the house and it was dark I went into the drawing room And had my evening drink, as I always did And then I saw the note Propped up on the desk And then all black Just blackness But there can be no doubt about it I killed her
1: And what did the doctor think had happened?
3: He agreed with Dr Kennedy. He was convinced that Gwenda's father didn't kill Helen, but genuinely thought he had done so.
1: But it
0: just
3: doesn't make sense. There was a body and I saw it. And yet it was in the hall and not in the bedroom. Why should your father be so certain that he had killed her in the bedroom? And if there was a murder, what happened to the body?
0: And what about the letters? Did Helen really write them? And if she did, where is she now?
3: In London, you advised us not to go on. I can see now why you did that, but we did go on. And this is where we've got to. What should we do, Miss Marple?
1: Oh, I don't know. It might be best to go no further. But I have a feeling that there is something that would be worth taking risks for. Though I find it difficult to say just what that is. It seems to me... Oh, gentlemen, always seem to be able to tabulate things so clearly. <laughs> I am sure you have thought it all out.
3: But it, there doesn't seem to be any normal explanation for what happened. But let's suppose that Kelvin Halliday didn't kill his wife, but was convinced he had done so. And let's suppose that he was induced to believe this by someone else. X, the unknown factor. Go on, Mr. Reed. According to his own account... Halliday came into the house that evening, went into the dining room, had a drink as he usually did, saw the note on the desk and had a blackout.
1: Are you suggesting that it was not a real blackout?
3: Exactly. It was a drug of some sort, knockout drops in the whiskey. The next step seems to me to be perfectly clear. X has strangled Helen in the hall. Yes, and he's taken the body upstairs and arranged her artistically as a cream passionnel on the bed, and that's where Kelvin finds himself when he comes to. And he's convinced that he's done it. So he goes off on foot to find his brother-in-law on the other side of town, during which X packs up a suitcase of clothes and removes the body.
1: Though what
3: he did with it defeats me completely.
1: It seems to me that problem would have presented few difficulties, but please go on. So,
3: what we need to find out is who were the other men in her life. If there is an X, all we know about him is that he was literally crazy about her.
0: And he must have hated my father and wanted to make him suffer.
3: Now, we know what kind of a girl Helen was. Man
0: mad, a bit of a nymphomaniac. Yes,
3: but we've no clue what other men there were in her life. I mean, there may have been any number.
1: Oh, hardly that. She was quite young, you know. And we do know something about the other men in her life. There was the man she was going to marry. The young lawyer chap. What was his name? Walter Fane. But you can't count him. He was out in India or somewhere. We can't be sure of that. At some stage, he came back here and went into the firm. He is now the senior partner. Perhaps he followed her back here. How did you find this out, Miss Marple? I, I've i been gossiping a little. Old ladies are supposed to be inquisitive. Helen turned Walter Fane
0: down. That must have rankled quite a lot. Did he ever marry? No. He lives with his mother. And we've got at least one more person. Dr Kennedy said there was some
1: man Helen got entangled with when she left school. Someone undesirable. We might, I think, infer a third. Helen went out to India to marry young Fane. Admittedly, she was not wildly in love with him, but she must have been quite prepared to spend her life with him. Yet as soon as she gets there, she breaks off her engagement. Now, why?
0: There's only one explanation. She met another man on the boat going out. Moonlight on the
1: boat deck, all that sort of thing. Only it must have been serious. Oh, yes, I think it was serious. But why didn't she marry this chap? I suspect he may have been married already. And he had children, perhaps. And was probably an honourable type. Well, that would be the end of it. So that gives us another person for X. We don't know he ever existed. We'll find out, won't we, Miss Marple? With time and patience, we may find out a great deal. I've got an idea. I'm going to make
0: a new will. Don't look so worried, darling. I shall still leave everything to you. But I shall get Walter Fane to do it for me.
3: Gwenda, do be careful.
0: Making a will is the most natural thing in the world. Anyway, I want to see what it's like.
6: I think that's all in order, Mrs Reed. Very simple will. I'll get it drawn up and you can come in and sign it. Any particular day?
0: Whenever you like, Mr Fain.
6: Uh, of course, you're living here in Dilmouth. Uh, but I don't recollect Hillside House. Uh,
0: uh, it used to be called St Catherine's, I believe.
6: Ah, uh, yes, uh, on the Lehampton Road. That's right.
0: I... I asked specially for you because I believe you once knew my mother. Uh, oh, yes? Uh,
6: what was her name?
0: Halliday. Megan Halliday.
6: Uh, no, uh, I never knew your mother, Mrs. Reed. Uh, but I was once engaged, uh, for a brief period, uh, to Helen Kennedy, who afterwards married Major Halliday. Uh, he was your father, I take it.
0: Oh, how stupid of me. You see, I heard someone say that you'd been engaged to Mrs. Halliday in India, and I thought it was my mother. My father met her in India.
6: Uh, Helen Kennedy came out to India to marry me. But, uh, she changed her mind. Oh. And then, on the boat coming home, she met your father.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Have I put my foot in it?
6: <laughs> One's youthful troubles don't mean much after 20 years, Mrs Reed. <laughs> so, you are Halliday's baby daughter. You may not remember me, but I rather imagine I used to give you piggybacks once...
0: Did you really? (laughs) Then you're quite an old friend, aren't you? Were you back on leave from India or something like that?
6: Uh, No, I chucked India for good. (laughs) Tea planting didn't suit me at all. I was cut out to follow in my father's footsteps and be a country solicitor. I went straight into the firm. I've been here ever since.
0: Well, I can quite see why Helen didn't really fancy him. (laughs) A nice, safe person to marry, but you don't really want to. And he's not my
1: idea of a murderer at all. Oh, murderers seldom are, I'm afraid. That is the trouble.
3: So, where do we go from here?
1: Well, I have discovered that Edith Paget, who was cook at this house at the time we are interested in, is still living in Dilmouth. She may be able to tell us a great deal. We are all invited to take tea with her this afternoon. Fancy
10: now, little Miss Gwenny. (laughs) You must excuse me, ma'am, speaking like that, but it does take me back. You used to come into my kitchen, as pretty as could be, and ask for winnies. And what you meant was raisins. Though why you called them winnies is more than I can say. I wish I could remember. Do you recall Leonie at all? Leonie? Was she my nurse? Swiss she was. Didn't speak English very well. And most sensitive in her feelings. Used to cry a lot when Lily said something to upset her. And who was Lily? Lily Abbott, the house parlour maid. Purt in her ways and a bit flighty. Many's the game she used to have with you, playing peepo through the stairs. (laughs) I remember Lily. She put a bow on the cat. (laughs) Oh, there now. Fancy you remembering that. It was a bow off the chocolate box. And the cat rubbed itself in the bushes till he got it off. Uh, Cats don't like tricks being played on them.
0: Tell me about my stepmother.
10: She was nice, wasn't she? Very fond of you, she was. And always playing
1: games with you. Nothing but a child herself, really. You must have known her long before she became Mrs Halliday. Well, I knew of her, so to
10: speak. And you liked her? Yes, madam, I did, no matter what anyone says though I'd never have believed she'd do what she did. But I shouldn't be talking about her like this. Oh, please don't think I shall mind anything you say. She wasn't
0: my own mother, and we want to find out about her.
10: Well, it was such a shock to us all when she went off. Especially the Major. Poor man. He collapsed completely. Do you have any idea who the man was she went off with? Well, I I don't know for sure. But we had our suspicions... Lily thought it might have been a Captain, um, Esdale? No, 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 that wasn't it. Anyway, it began with an E. and his wife, were staying at the Royal
3: Clarence.
10: Summer visitors? Yes, but I think he'd known Mrs Halliday before.
3: And were they still here in Dilmouth when Mrs Halliday went away? Well, as far as I can
10: remember, they went about the same time. Anyway, it was close enough to make people talk. And did
1: Mrs Halliday going off like that come as a complete surprise to everyone? (laughs)
10: It's funny you should ask that, ma'am. Because for some time, she'd been pressing Major Halliday to take her away from Dilmouth. They were planning to take a house in Norfolk, though no-one was supposed to know about it. It was almost as though she was afraid to stay here. Afraid? Afraid of what? I remember Lily coming into my kitchen one day. She said she'd overheard the missus talking to the master in the drawing room. I'm afraid of you, Mrs Halliday said. I've been afraid of you for a long time. You're mad. You're not normal. Go away and leave me alone. I'm frightened. I think I've always been frightened of you. Lily took it all very seriously and that's why, after it all happened, she said... What did you say? Well... She was out at the pictures that evening and Leonie was with her. I was doing the ironing when Dr Kennedy comes in and asks for Lily. He wanted to know if the missus had taken any clothes with her. This was the first I'd heard of any of it, you understand. Please, go on. Lily comes in just then and they go off upstairs. When she comes down, she is all agog. She's hooked it, she says. She's gone off with someone. The master's all in, had a stroke or something. But later on, up in our bedroom, Lily wakes me up. It's all wrong, she says. Those clothes, they're the wrong things. What did she mean by that? Apparently, she'd taken her best evening dress, but not her evening belt or the slip that went with it. She took her green tweed, but not the fancy pullover that matched it. You mark my words, Edie, Liz says to me. She's not gone away at all. The master's done her in and buried her under the coal cellar. Remember, I told you she said she was scared stiff of him. Well, that's where you're wrong, my girl, I says. Because it wasn't the master she was talking to. Just after you told me, I looked out of the window... And I saw him coming down the hill with his golf clubs. So it couldn't have been him who was with the missus in the drawing room. It was someone else. I found them.
0: Found who? The couple
3: who were staying at the Royal Clarence.
0: You mean the man Lily thought was interested in Helen? How did you manage that?
3: Well, I told the receptionist I had a bet with you about whether your grandmother stayed there 18 years ago. (laughs) So they let me see the old registers, and there they were. Major and Mrs Richard Erskine, Anstell Manor, Death Northumberland.
0: Do you think they might still be living there?
3: There's only one way to find out. We'll drive up there tomorrow. It'll be a way for you to see a bit more of England.
0: I oh, suppose they're dead or gone away.
3: Then we come back and get on with our other leads. Right. Now, I've written to Dr Kennedy asking if he'll send me those letters Helen wrote after she went away and a specimen of her handwriting. I want an expert to look at them.
0: I wish we could get in touch with that parlour maid. Mm,
3: Lily... Well, we could put another advertisement in the papers. Ebert, her name was. I'll do it straight away. And I'll take the car down to the garage. We'd better get it checked before we drive up to Northumberland.
0: Why have we come here? What can we possibly say?
3: Oh. <clears throat> I thought you got it all worked out.
0: As far as it goes. That's lucky Miss Marple's cousin's aunt's brother-in-law, or whatever it is lives near here. But it's a far step from a social call to asking your host about his bygone love affairs. Are we making fools of ourselves?
3: Sometimes I feel like that. After all, what does it matter now? What makes us go on? Is it her, do you think? Helen, is
0: my childish memory the last link she's got with life? Is it she who's using us so that the truth can come to light?
3: (laughs) I think you're being a bit
8: fanciful.
0: Perhaps. Anyway, there's no point
7: in us sitting here. Come on.
8: So you're looking for a house?
7: You won't find anything suitable round here. And you can't trust the descriptions the house agents give you. When you actually get there, the place is usually quite unspeakable.
8: What's the attraction of this
3: part of the world? It's partly to do with Hadrian's Wall.
7: Giles
0: has always been fascinated by Hadrian's Wall. Yes. And we want to settle somewhere miles from anywhere. At the moment, we've got a house at Dilmouth on the south coast.
8: Uh, I'm sorry. I should have offered you a cigarette. Just a moment.
7: It's a pretty enough little place. Do you know it at all? We spent a few weeks there one summer, many, many years ago. We didn't care for it very much.
8: Cigarette, Mrs. Reed.
7: Thank you, Major. Do
0: you remember Dilmouth at all well?
8: Uh, yeah, well, quite well. We stayed at the, um, Was it the Royal George?
0: The Rock, Clarence. Oh, oh Yes. That's the nice old-fashioned one. Our house is quite near there, Hillside, but it used to be called something else. St Mary's, was it, Giles?
3: St Catherine's.
7: Perhaps you'd care to see the garden.
3: Did you manage it?
7: Yes, I dropped it by the second clump of
0: delphinium's. Suppose you never find it again? Well, it's not my real engagement ring. I wouldn't risk that.
3: So, what's the next step?
0: Mrs. Erskine.
3: I bet she gives him hell.
0: Mrs. Erskine said she was going shopping in Dave tomorrow morning. We'll park the car well away from the house, and as soon as the coast is clear, I'll ring the bell and say I must have dropped my ring somewhere in the garden.
8: How very fortunate that you managed to find it! Such things are quite irreplaceable. become part of us. Um, Can I get you a drink, Mrs. Reed? Glass of sherry, perhaps?
0: No, thank you, Major. But I'd love a cigarette if you have oh, one. Oh,
8: with pleasure. Here. Thanks. Allow me.
0: Thank you. I want to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you'll think it terribly impertinent of me. But I believe you were once in love with my stepmother.
8: Your stepmother?
0: Yes, Helen Kennedy. Oh. Helen Halliday, as she became afterwards.
8: I see. Letters, I suppose didn't write her many, two, so perhaps three. She said she'd destroyed them, but her women never do destroy letters.
0: I want to know more about her. I was very fond of her, although I was such a small child when she went away.
8: She went away?
0: Didn't you know? No, i
8: heard nothing of her since that summer in Dilmouth.
0: Then you don't know where she is now?
8: How should I? It's years ago. It's all finished and forgotten. Forgotten? No, perhaps not forgotten. But, uh, tell me about her. She's not dead, is she?
0: I don't know whether she's dead or not. You see, she went away from Delmouth that summer.
8: The summer my wife and I were staying at the Royal Clarence?
0: Yes. Quite suddenly one evening, without telling anyone. There were rumours that she'd gone off with someone.
8: You mean people thought she went away with me?
0: Well, it was a possibility.
8: (laughs) It was never really that. We met on a boat going out to India. One of our children had been ill, and my wife was following with them later. And Helen was going out to marry some man she didn't really care for. She just wanted to get away from home. And we fell in love. We were both, well, shattered by it. But there wasn't anything to be done. I couldn't let my wife and children down. Helen saw it the same way. It was all hopeless. We agreed to say goodbye, try to forget But you couldn't. Not for one moment. Her life was just a living hell. She didn't marry the other chap. She just couldn't face it. And on the voyage home, she met your father. She wrote from Dilmouth to tell me she'd married. About eight months later, my wife and I decided to return home for good. We wanted a few weeks' holiday somewhere on the south coast before we moved into the house.
0: And so you came to Dilmouth?
8: It was my wife's suggestion. She didn't know about Helen, of course. I can imagine the temptation actually to see her again. And did you? I did, and it was a mistake seeing her as hell. She seemed happy enough. I didn't know whether she still cared or not. My wife suspected something, I think. She's always been a jealous woman.
0: When was the last time you saw Helen?
8: It was the evening before we left Dilmouth on the beach. I'd strolled down there after dinner... I walked her up to the house, as far as the garden.
0: What time was this? I don't know.
8: Nine o'clock, I suppose.
0: And you said goodbye. Ah,
8: not the kind of goodbye you're thinking of. It was very brusque. She said, please go away, now, quickly. So I went.
0: Did she say anything to you about my father? That she was worried about him or afraid of him?
8: Afraid of him? You mean he might have been jealous? No, she never said anything, but... Jealousy is a very queer thing. It can hide itself so that you never suspect it. It can be frightening. Frightening.
1: I'm afraid this is a very early call. Not a thing I'm in the habit of doing. You see, there was something I wanted to explain. We are delighted to see you. Please, sit down. Have a cup of coffee? Uh, Oh, no. No, thank you. Nothing at all. What I wanted to tell you was that while you've been away, I've been doing a little weeding. We're only too grateful, Miss Marple. You must come every day. Oh, thank you. And yesterday, while I was struggling with a particularly tenacious length of bindweed, who should come up but Dr Kennedy? He brought these for you. One of his sister's letters, written from abroad, and a specimen of her handwriting. (laughs) It's a list she made of bulbs for planting. It was all he'd been able to find. Thank
3: you very much, Miss Marple. I shall get this off to the handwriting expert in London. And then we shall know for sure whether Helen really wrote those letters.
1: (laughs) And did you have any
3: success in Northumberland? It's hard to say. Gwenda is convinced he's not our murderer.
0: He's really rather pathetic. And he must have been terribly in love with her. Yes, but
3: the important thing is that he was here, in the garden of this house, on the night that Helen disappeared. He was on the spot. Yes. That is most important. So, where do we go from here? There's been no reply from Lily Abbott, and we're no nearer to finding out about that man that Helen got tangled up with just as she left school.
1: Oh, but we are. I found out from the gardener. Jackie Affleck, his name was. He runs a company called... Daffodil Coaches, somewhere in Exeter. Well, in that case, it shouldn't be too difficult to find him. Well, do please be careful, Mr. Reed. A very crafty customer, the gardener, said he was. And he told me something very curious. What was that, Miss Marple? At the time that Helen was involved with Mr. Affleck, not long after she left school, someone came into the garden one night and slashed the tennis net to Ribbon's. But who on earth would want to do a thing like that? That is what Dr Kennedy wanted to know. It was just an act of pure malice, it seems. Helen was particularly fond of tennis. Was this before or after Affleck got his marching orders? The gardener didn't say, I'm afraid. But the whole business does suggest a vindictive and rather unbalanced mind. I bet it was Affleck. Do be on your guard, both of you. Every step you take is bringing you closer to the murderer... And he isn't going to sit there quietly and do nothing.
3: Hillside House, Charles Reed speaking.
9: Oh, hello, Kennedy here. I've just received a rather odd letter from a woman called Lily Kimball. I've been racking my brains to remember who she is. I rather fancy she must be a girl who was once a parlour maid at your house and would have been a patient of mine.
3: Lily Abbott, her name was then.
9: She mentions an advertisement which you put in the local paper. Look, I don't want to talk about this over the telephone. I have an idea the local operators listen in. Will you be there if I come over now?
3: As it happens, we're just setting off for Exeter. Why don't we drop in on our way? We could be with you in half an hour.
0: Dear sir, I would be grateful if you could give me advice about the enclosed, what I cut out of the paper. I've been thinking and talked her over with Kimball.
9: Obviously, her husband.
0: But I don't know what best to do about it. Do you think it means a reward, because I could do with the money, but I don't want the police or anything like that? I often think about the night Mrs. Halliday went away, and I don't think she ever did, because the clothes were all wrong.
9: That's what she said to me at the time.
0: I thought at first the master done it, but now I'm not so sure because of the posh car outside and what Leonie said she saw from the window. I wouldn't like to do anything without asking you... because you are the best person to give me advice, as you used to be my doctor. Could I come and see you next Thursday, as it's market day and Kimball will be out? I don't want him to know.
3: Well, at least she thinks your father didn't do it. She may well be able to
9: help us find out a little more of what happened. Now, this one I think we'd better do. I'll answer her letter and, as she suggests, tell her to come here on Thursday. She gives her address as Coom Lee... And there's a good connection from there. By changing at Dilmouth Junction, she can get here shortly after 4.30. If you two will come over that afternoon, we can tackle her together.
3: That's simply splendid. But you must forgive us now, Doctor. We should be on our way. We've got an appointment with Jackie Affleck. Affleck? You mean that miserable little rat Helen got involved with?
0: He runs a firm called Daffodil Coaches just outside Exeter.
3: You told us you broke the affair up. Was that just because of his social position, or was there more to it? You could say
9: that was part of it. I'm old-fashioned enough to believe you're happiest staying in the state of life into which you were born. And besides, I thought he was a un, as he proved to be. What did he do, exactly? He worked for Fane and Watchman, the solicitors.
0: Walter Fane's
2: firm?
9: Yes, he tried to cash in on some confidential information relating to one of their clients. And was he dismissed? Yes, as he deserved to be. After which, he began to show signs of persecution mania. Said he'd been victimised, <laughs> that sort of thing. I'd be very wary of him if I were you.
0: So what do we say this time?
3: Yet again, we have good reason to be grateful to Miss Marple. We're looking for a coach for her vicar's wife's boys' club annual outing. They're planning a two-day excursion to Devon.
4: I don't think that will present any problem, Mr. Reed. I'll send you an estimate tomorrow. Excellent. But I don't understand why you couldn't have done this through the office. Why
3: did you need to talk to me privately? Well, you see, Mr Affleck, there were really two matters we wanted to talk to you about. We've disposed of the boys' outing, but my wife wanted to... I'm trying
0: to to get in touch with my stepmother. I haven't seen her for years, and I thought you might be able to help me.
3: Your stepmother? We believe you may have been acquainted with her at one time. Her name was Helen Halliday.
0: Before her marriage, she was Helen Kennedy. She lived in Delmouth.
3: Helen Kennedy? Got it! Little Helen.
4: But it's a long time ago. 18 years. Is it really? how time flies, as the saying goes. But I'm sorry to disappoint you. I haven't laid eyes on her since
0: that time.
4: Never heard of her even.
0: Oh, what a pity. I did so hope he might be able to help. Oh,
4: what's the problem? A quarrel? Money?
0: She went away from Dalmuth very suddenly. With someone.
4: And you thought it might have been me, eh?
3: Well, we heard that you and she were... Fond of each other. Oh,
4: there was nothing in it. Just a boy and girl affair. We we never took it seriously. Not that we were given much chance. So? You're Halliday's daughter.
0: That's right. Did you know my father?
4: No, I dropped in to see Helen once when I was in Dillmuth on business. I'd heard she was married and was living there. She was civil enough, but she didn't exactly ask me to stay for dinner. I never met your father. Did she seem happy? No idea. Happy enough, I suppose. But do you mean no-one's heard anything of her for 18 years? What about that brother of hers? Doesn't he know where she is? No. Well, it looks as though she must be dead. Pity. Stunning look she had.
0: I can hardly remember her. What was she like? What do people feel about her? What did you feel?
4: To be honest, I was sorry for the kid.
0: Sorry for her.
4: Well, there she was, just left school, longing for a bit of fun like any other girl. And there was that starchy, middle-aged half-brother of hers with his strict ideas about what a girl could and couldn't do. Well, I took her out a bit. She liked being a daredevil. But then he found out and soon put a stop to it. I suppose you can't blame him, really. You must have been angry at the time. I was pretty riled, I admit. You don't like being told you're not good enough. And then
3: you lost your job. Yes.
4: And I have a good idea who was responsible for that. Oh? I'm not naming anyone. I have my own ideas. I was framed. Laying traps for a man, spying on him, lying about him. Oh, I've had my enemies, all right, but I've always given as good as I got. And I don't forget so I, I can't help you I'm afraid a little bit of fun between me and Helen it didn't go deep
0: all the same you don't look her up when you came back to Dilmouth later
4: well you, you've got me there mrs. Reed well perhaps I wanted to show her that I wasn't down and out just because a long-faced lawyer had pushed me out of his office I had a nice business and I was driving a posh car and I'd done very well for myself.
0: You came to see her more than once, didn't you? Mm,
4: Twice, three times perhaps. I just dropped in. Look, I'm sorry, I can't be of any more use to you, Mrs Reed. No, we must apologise for taking up so much of your time. Oh, that's quite all right. Quite a change to talk about old times.
3: (laughs) Well, I'm damned. Just take a look at this. Look at what, Mr. Reed? It's the report from the handwriting expert.
1: Helen didn't write those letters. That's just it. She did. But
0: then that means she did go away from the house that night.
3: Oh, have we been making the most colossal idiots of ourselves?
1: What do you think, Miss Marple? I think it's very nice indeed. What on earth do you mean by that? Surely you can see how it narrows the field? Do you mean that she could have written the letters and still have been murdered? I mean that it seemed very important to someone that the letter should actually be in Helen's handwriting. <gasps> Heavens, look at the time. We must go, Giles. We've got to be at Dr Kennedy's by
0: 4.30 to meet Lily Abbott. We can't possibly be late for that.
9: Ten past five. What can have become of the woman?
0: Could she have lost her way coming from the station?
9: I gave her the most explicit instructions. In any case, it's quite simple. Turn to the left when she got out of the station. Take the first road to the right. It's only five minutes' walk.
3: Perhaps she's changed her mind.
9: It looks like it.
0: She could have missed the train.
9: I think it's more likely that she decided not to come at all. Perhaps her husband stepped in. These country people are quite... (coughs) Excuse me. Woodley Bolton, 731.
5: Is that Dr. Kennedy? Yes. This is Inspector Last from Longford. Were you expecting a woman called Lily Kimball to call this afternoon?
9: Yes, I was wondering where she'd got to. Has there been an accident?
5: Not what you'd call an accident, exactly. She's dead. We found a letter from you in her handbag. That's why I rang you up. Can you possibly get down to Longford Police Station as soon as possible?
9: I'll come at once. I'll bring a couple of people with me, if I may. Now,
5: let's get this quite clear. The three of you had arranged to meet Lily Kimball at Dr. Kennedy's house. And uh, according to this letter, you were expecting her to arrive by the train that leaves Dilmouth Junction at 4.05 and gets to Woodley Bolton at 4.35.
9: Yes, that's correct. There was
5: no question of her coming by an earlier train. An earlier train? Because that is what she did. She left Coomley not at 3.30 but at 1.30, caught the 2.5 from Dilmouth Junction and got out not at Woodley Bolton, as you told her to, but at Matchings Halt, the station before it. But that's
9: extraordinary. Why should she do that? Was she consulting you professionally? No, no, no. I retired from the practice some years ago. That's what I thought. You knew her well? I hadn't seen her for nearly 20 years. But you recognised her just now? With difficulty. She had been strangled, after all.
5: Her body was found by a hiker a short way along the track, leading from Matching's Holt to Woodley Bolton. Our police surgeon puts the time of death at between 2.15 and 3 o'clock. Presumably, she was killed shortly after she left the station. No other passenger
9: got out at Matching's Holt. Can you tell me what her business with you was, Doctor? She came as a result of this advertisement put in the local paper by Mr and Mrs Reed. I see. Well, since there may well be a connection between this and her death, I'd like
5: to hear the story behind it all.
0: It goes back 18 years. I'll try to make it as simple as I can.
5: Thank you, Mrs. Reed. The crucial point in all this seems to be the question of whether Mrs. Halliday is alive or dead.
9: If she is dead, when did she die? And what did Lily Kimball know? It appears on the face of it that she must have known something rather important. So important that she was killed to prevent her telling anyone about it. But who could possibly know she was going to talk about it
5: except us? Well, it is a significant point, Mr. Reid, that she quite deliberately took an earlier train. It seems to me... That after writing to the doctor, she wrote to someone else, suggesting a rendezvous, perhaps at Woodley Camp. And depending on the outcome of that, she planned to go on to Dr. Kennedy afterwards. It is possible she may have had suspicions of some definite person, and that she'd written to that person, hinting at what she knew, and suggesting that they talk it over. Blackmail. I don't suppose she thought of it in that way. She was just greedy and hopeful, and a little muddled about what she could get out of it.
3: Maybe her husband will be able to tell us more too smart by half hour, Lily, was what he said. Apparently she told him some long rigmarole, as he put it, about the French girl. Léonée? Yes, looking out of the window on the night of Helen's disappearance and seeing something or somebody. He told Lily to leave it all alone and not go stirring up trouble.
0: It's so awful, that poor woman making an appointment with the murderer
1: and going along like a sheep to the slaughter. Very dreadful, my dear, but most interesting, one must admit... The really vital thing is that this proves beyond any possible doubt that poor Helen Halliday was murdered. We thought so all along, and now we know. But what did the murderer do with the body, then? Drive it away and throw it over a cliff into the sea? Oh, no. Remember, Gwenda, what struck you when you first went out onto the terrace? That there should be steps leading down from the French windows onto the lawn? And instead, there was a huge clump of Forsythia. The steps had been there originally, as you remembered, but had been rebuilt at the end of the terrace. And from what the gardener tells me, this was happening at the very time Helen disappeared.
3: You mean that's where... Well,
1: if you bury a body, the earth is going to be disturbed. But if it is disturbed already, because a new flight of steps is being built, no one is going to notice greatly. But as it happened, the nursery window looked directly down on the place where the steps were being put up. You mean that Leonie might have looked
0: out of the window at some time during the night and actually seen the grave being dug? She may even have seen
1: who was digging it. But why didn't she go to the police? Well, there was no question at the time of a crime having occurred. Mrs Halliday had run away with a lover. That was probably all that Leonie could grasp. She mentioned it to Lily, but being a foreigner, she had no wish to be mixed up with the police. So she went back to Switzerland and very likely never thought of it again.
3: But surely it ought to be possible to trace her.
1: The police will be able to do that much more easily than you can. Inspector Last is coming here tomorrow. Then I think you should tell him about the steps. In fact, you should tell him everything. You mean... What I thought I saw in the hall when I was a child. Yes, my dear. You've been very wise to say nothing about that so far. But now I think the time has come.
3: But if the body really is under the steps... then the murderer must have been hanging about the house pretty well all that night. He strangled Helen and then put the body into the bedroom... waited until Halliday went off to see Kennedy... and hid the body temporarily in the shrubbery. When all the fuss had died down and Kennedy had given Halliday a tranquilizing drug and left... The killer crept out and buried the body, reckoning that everybody was asleep.
1: Yes. You see, as I have said, the murderer could only have been someone who was on the spot.
3: So, we've got to see which of our three suspects fits into the situation. Let's take Erskine first. Now, he was definitely on the spot. He walked up here with Helen from the beach around nine o'clock. He says he said goodbye to her, but... Let's suppose he strangled her.
1: But it was all over between them, long ago. Look, Gwenda, we've only got his word for that. I'm glad to hear you say that, because I have been a little worried by the way you two seem to be willing to accept as actual fact everything anyone told you. I'm afraid I have a sadly mistrustful nature, and I make it a rule to take nothing that is told me as true until it can be proved to be so.
3: Right, Miss Marple... We'll tread very warily. Now, Erskine says... But he's out of it.
1: Can't you see? He lives in Northumberland.
0: He couldn't possibly have killed Lily Kimball.
3: Which leaves us with Walter Fane and Jackie Affleck. We don't know what Fane was doing that night, but he only lives two or three minutes away, so he was certainly on the spot. He could have done all the things we've decided the murderer did do, and I think he's the most likely of the three to have made those mistakes in packing the suitcase. He wouldn't have had much idea about what women wear. It
0: was strange... In his office that day, I had an odd sort of feeling that he was like a house with its blinds pulled down. And I even had a fanciful idea that there was someone dead in that house. Does that seem very silly, Miss Marple? No, my dear. I
3: think perhaps you were right. So now we come to Jackie Affleck.
0: He was certainly very cagey about his calling here on Helen after she was married.
3: He said he wanted to show off his car. And Lily's letter mentions a posh car outside the house on the night of the murder.
0: Which of the two do you fancy, Miss Marple? Walter Fane or Jackie Affleck?
1: I don't think, my dears, that you have given quite enough thought to the matter. There are possibilities that neither of you seem to have considered.
3: What do you mean by that, Miss Marple?
1: Oh, dear. It is so difficult to know exactly what one should do. I think we should wait until we hear what the inspector thinks tomorrow morning.
5: I'm afraid it means making rather a mess of the terrace, Mr. Reed. But I've uh, told
3: the lads to try and keep the damage to a minimum. Thank you, Inspector. But now that we've got you here, you'd better hear something that my wife has so far kept to herself. And what is that? Well, it's possible that she may actually have seen the dead body of Helen Halliday in this house when she was a small child.
0: I may have imagined it. Perhaps I did, but it seems awfully real.
3: Then I'd better hear about
5: it. Go ahead, Mrs. Reed. Tell me what you saw, or imagined you saw
0: And I looked down through the banisters, and she was lying there. Her hair was golden, but her face was blue. She'd been strangled.
5: And did you see the person who had killed her?
0: I could only see his hands. They were grey and wrinkled, like monkey's paws. And he was saying those words.
5: The words you heard in the play? But why monkey's paws? Well, that was probably a nightmare. Let your wife tell the story in her own words, Mr. Reed.
0: It may have all been a nightmare.
5: No, No, I don't think it was. It would be very hard to explain Lily Kimball's death, unless we assume that there was a murder committed in this house.
0: And it wasn't my father who murdered her. Dr Kennedy was quite sure he hadn't done it. So it must have been someone who wanted it to appear as if my father was the murderer. And we think we know who. At least, it's one of two people.
3: Gwenda, we can't possibly I wonder say...
5: Mr Reed, if you'd mind going out in the garden and seeing how my men are getting on. Tell them I sent
3: you. Yeah, of course, Inspector. Glad to be of help.
5: Now... Just tell me your ideas, Mrs. Reed, and don't worry what I may think about them.
0: So, if Lily Campbell was killed between 2.20 and 2.45, it ought to be possible to find out what each of them was doing at that time.
5: We'll ask all the questions necessary, Mrs. Reed. You may be sure of that. But all in good time. There's no good in rushing things. Tell me, who is that old lady at the bottom of the garden?
0: Oh, that's Miss Marple. She's being awfully kind, helping us out with the weeding.
5: Miss Marple? I heard she was staying in Dilmouth.
0: She's rather a dear.
5: She's rather more than that, Mrs. Reed. She's got the chief constables of at least three counties in her pocket. And I suppose she's got her finger in this particular pie?
0: She's made an awful lot of helpful suggestions.
5: I bet she has. Was it her suggestion where to look for the deceased Mrs Halliday?
0: Yes, it was, as a matter of fact. If you'll
5: excuse me, I'd like to have a word with her.
0: Of course, Inspector.
5: Miss Marple, I believe. Inspector Last.
1: How do you do, Inspector?
5: We haven't met, but you were once pointed out to me by Colonel Melrose.
1: Dear Colonel Melrose, he has always been most kind. Ever since... Ever since
5: a church warden was shot in the vicar's study. You've had a few more successes since then, including a little poison pen trouble in Limstock.
1: You seem to know a great deal about me, Inspector.
5: And you've been busy here too, I expect.
1: Well, I try to do what I can in the garden. This bindweed, for instance, such nasty stuff. Its roots go down beneath the soil a long, long way.
5: A long way down. Like this murder. Eighteen years.
1: And perhaps before that, running underground. A terribly harmful inspector, squeezing the life out of the pretty growing flowers. Excuse
6: me, inspector, but we've come to something. I think it's probably what we've been looking for. It seems like we may have found her.
3: Here, have a sip of this. It'll help.
0: Thanks. Thanks. I'm all right, really. I am. They're certain that it's Helen.
3: the skeleton of a woman. That's all they'll say. But I'm sure it is her.
0: Helen. Poor Helen.
3: Look, the inspector wants me to go down to the station with him. He's going to have to make out a report, and he wants me to help with some of the details. Will you be all right here on your own?
0: Oh, yes. I'll be perfectly all right. It's come as a relief, really, to know that I hadn't simply invented it all, that it wasn't just a nightmare...
3: I'll be back as quick as I can, just take it easy.
0: The trouble is, I don't want to take it easy. I want to scrub the whole place out, to cleanse it of what has happened here. And I'll start with that grimy windowsill on the landing. The dirt's positively ingrained in it. All the cleaning woman does is to flick her duster over it. And if I'm going to make a proper job of it, I'll use those rubber hospital gloves she's so proud of. Oh, they're rather sinister Grey They make my hands look like (gasps) Monkey's paws That's what the murderer was wearing A pair of surgical rubber gloves So that was real as well I saw them as I looked down through the banisters There's someone in the house. Gwenny? Dr. Kennedy. I'm here, Doctor. Where? On the landing. The sun's
9: in my eyes. I can't see your face. My eyes are dazzled. (gasps) Cover her face. Mine eyes dazzle. She died young. (gasps) What is it? What's the matter?
0: Oh, it was you. You killed her. It was you I heard saying those words. You killed Helen!
9: Why couldn't you leave well alone? Why did you have to meddle? Why did you have to bring her back? Just when I began to forget, you brought her back again. I had to kill Lily. Now I have to kill you. Like I killed Helen. I... I killed
4: Helen! Uh What
1: the devils?! So fortunate that I was just syringing the green fly off the roses. I always believe in using a really strong solution.
3: I can't get over how lucky it was
1: that you just happened to be in the garden. It wasn't lucky at all, Giles. I would never have dreamed of leaving Gwenda alone in the house. I knew there was a very dangerous person at large, and I was keeping an unobtrusive watch. I must admit that running up the back stairs left me a little out of breath.
0: Did you know it was Kennedy all along?
1: Well, he was rather indicated, my dear, although there was nothing in the way of evidence, just indications, nothing more. But I can't see any indications, even. Just think... He was on the spot, to start with. But he lives on the other side of Dilmouth. You are forgetting that when Kelvin Halliday came to him that night, Kennedy had just come back from the hospital. And the hospital at that time, the cottage hospital it was then, was actually next door to this house. So you see, he was in the right place at the right time. He certainly was. And there were a hundred and one little significant facts. Remember what Helen told Richard Erskine about her reasons for going out to India to marry Walter Fane? She said she wasn't happy at home. Not happy, that is, living with her brother. And Mr Affleck told you, did he not, that he was sorry for the poor kid? Why did she always have to meet him in secret? Why couldn't she just go out and meet young men the ordinary way? Her brother was strict and old-fashioned it is vaguely reminiscent is it not of mr barrett of wimpole street i thought that when i heard about the tennis net the tennis net but i thought that oh no it was dr kennedy who destroyed it he couldn't bear the idea of her having tennis parties and enjoying herself he crept out one night and cut it to ribbons a very significant and sadistic action
0: kennedy must have been mad
1: oh yes He adored his half-sister, and that affection became possessive and unwholesome. And he didn't only kill her physically. If you think back carefully, you'll see that the only evidence for Helen being man-mad came from her brother. I got the impression she was an infomaniac. Whereas in reality, she was a perfectly normal young girl who wanted to have fun and a good time and flirt a little, and finally settle down with the man of her choice. No more than that.
0: Do you think that Helen was aware of this obsession of Kennedys? I rather
1: doubt it. She knew her brother had a deep affection for her, but I don't think she knew why she felt so uneasy and unhappy at home. She simply wanted her freedom. She knew she had to get away. And that's why she went out to India. Yes, And you must remember that in her unhappy love affair with Richard Erskine, she behaved like a decent and honourable girl. Do you think she really loved my father? (laughs) Love is perhaps too strong a word. He was recovering from the death of your mother, and she was getting over an unhappy attachment. They could both help each other. But Kennedy doesn't seem to have opposed the marriage. It was too late. They had been married in London without his knowing about it. All he could do was to suggest that they settle here in Dilmouth, where he had his practice, and bide his time. And that business about Helen drugging my father, was that true? Of course not. That was suggested to Halliday by Kennedy to cover up the fact that he was administering some kind of drug himself, which he probably passed off as a tonic. How could any drug make a man have the hallucination that he was strangling his wife? Once again, you're falling into the trap of believing what is said to you. There is only Kennedy's word that Halliday ever had that hallucination. What the drug was doing was slowly and steadily undermining Halliday's health. So that when he eventually died, Kennedy would have Helen to himself again. But that was evil. I think Kennedy had definitely passed the borderline between sanity and madness. And Helen must have realised that. It was to her brother she was speaking when she said, I think I've always been afraid of you. Was that why she wanted to move to Norfolk? Oh, I'm sure of it. And that was why it was so important that her brother should not find out. She asked her husband not to mention it to anyone. But Halliday, who felt all this secrecy to be pointless, told him and effectively signed his wife's death warrant. Kennedy wasn't prepared to let his sister leave Dilmouth. He became completely unhinged. He left the hospital, taking with him a pair of surgical gloves, passed through this garden and came upon Helen in the hall. He strangled her and, in a frenzy of love and madness, quoted the words that you heard.
9: Cover her face. Mine eyes dazzle. She died young.
1: We were all very stupid. We should have seen at once. Those lines from the Duchess of Malfi were really the clue to the whole thing. They are spoken, are they not, by a brother who has just contrived his sister's death to avenge her marriage to the man she loved. But what about those letters from abroad? According to the expert, they really were in Helen's writing. That is where he overreached himself. He was so anxious to call a halt to your investigation... What you didn't realize was that he had forged not just the letter, but the specimen of Helen's writing that you asked for. So it's hardly surprising they were in the same hand. simple, really, when you come to think about it. But how about Lily? Why did she get on the wrong train? Because in his original letter, he had told her to catch the 2-5 train from Dilmouth Junction and meet him at Woodley Camp. He waited for her in the lane, strangled her and substituted the letter you saw for the one she was carrying with her. Do you think she was really trying to blackmail him? I think she hoped there was money to be extracted from it all somehow. As for Kennedy, he couldn't afford to take risks... What frightened him was what Lerney might have seen from the nursery window. And what about the car Lily saw? We thought it might have been Affleck's. I think it probably was Kennedy's car. It was actually standing outside the hospital that night. So to a guilty conscience like his, the letter would certainly look like blackmail. He was starting to panic. And you were becoming very dangerous to him, you and Giles. Fortunately, you never told him about your memory of seeing Helen's body in the hall. Or he would have acted much sooner.
0: And yet he seemed genuinely fond of me. (laughs) Little Gwenny.
1: He had to play his part. Imagine how it must have been for him. After 18 years, when he must have believed he was utterly safe, you and Giles come along, asking questions, burrowing into the past, disturbing a murder that had seemed dead, but was only sleeping.
0: How very odd that it should have happened the way it did. My putting on those rubber gloves and suddenly realising...
1: Monkey's
3: paws.
0: And then his coming into the hall and saying those words that were so like the ones that had haunted me. Face and eyes are dazzled. She died young. Poor Helen. Poor, lovely Helen.
1: And um, um, will you stay on here, do you think? Oh, yes.
0: You see, we've done what Helen wanted. And now she isn't here anymore. There's just the house now, and the house is fond of us.
1: The first time I walked in, it felt like home. Yes, houses can be like that. I expect that my little cottage is missing me. And now I can go back to it.
2: In Agatha Christie's Sleeping Murder... Miss Marple was played by June Whitfield. Doctor Kennedy, Julian Glover. Gwenda Reed, Beth Chalmers. Giles Reed, Carl Prekop. Mrs. Hengrave, Hilda Schroeder. Aunt Allison, Carolyn Pickles. Edith, Joan Littlewood. Richard Erskine, Derek Waring. Walter Fane, Joan Meredith. Jackie Affleck, Michael N. Harbour. Inspector Last, Ewan Bailey. Other parts were played by members of the cast. Sleeping Murder was dramatized for radio by Michael Bakewell and directed by Enid Williams. On BBC
4: Radio 4.
0: I can only pray that you may marry a man worthy of your trust.
4: Three
2: tales of love and obsession.
6: She's happy here. Happy as the day is long. She won't wish to leave us...